years ago, I remember we had some warranty issues with fuel pumps. It all turned out, it's all happening down in the southeast. There's something going on down in the southeast. Well, it, as it turns out, there was fuel coming from a refinery somewhere down there. So that really had that spatial component with a simple map where you color you know, areas by value really helps someone can see right away that correlate the map with they know in a certain area. Welcome to the Esri and the Science of Wear podcast. I'm Sarah Powell from Esri and I'll be your host today. You just heard Matthias Wallen, geospatial data scientist at John Deere, allude to the benefit of identifying patterns in a geospatial context to solve business problems. Successful technology companies like John Deere depend on smart data practices and location intelligence to innovate new solutions and drive growth. Here, Esri CMO Mariana Cantor investigate how a 150-year-old company fuses data science and location technology to evolve its legacy and maintain competitive advantage. Hi, Matthias, and welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. John Deere is really an innovator when it comes to adopting technology to drive business results. The company is also well known as a, a company that uses data strategically from understanding market potential and anticipating demand to optimizing supplier and dealer networks to customer service, product design, and manufacturing. What is propelling this rise of data science in business? It used to be competitive advantage to maybe be ahead in the data science space. Today, it's really about survival, I think. You can't survive without the function. What does your team do at John Deere? I'm part of the Enterprise Market Research Organization. Within that, I work specifically on the analytics side of that. So as a whole group, we have researchers that not only look at you know customer preferences, competitive analysis, and that would be more of a traditional research role, bringing all of that uh, research together across the enterprise. But I work on geospatial analytics within that group, so it could be anything from competitive research on you know, where we're gaining, where we're losing, market share, things like that. Why are we losing or winning in a certain area? So I spend a lot of times you know, testing our models and uh, make my models better, really predictive models. You know. Give us an example of what kind of question or a business question are you modeling around to answer? We, we want to know in a certain area, really, what's, what's the value of that, that area in terms of the John Deere market? You know, what's the likelihood people are going to buy a John Deere product? And what kind of data goes into that model? There would be historical sales, current dealers, competitive dealers, distance to all of those features, there'd be land cover, thousands of demographic variables focus really on um, solving some business questions like where to place a retail store or maybe where should you market certain things. So you bring all that data together and you say to your internal stakeholders, right, they're probably in marketing and strategy, where, where do they typically sit? A lot of times it's within the, the dealer development organization, so they um, are sort of a middleman or they manage our dealership relationships. So they're the people that I work the most with. Then I take all the data, build a model. You can go from a few thousand variables maybe down to, to 20. Do you know how frequently they follow your model's advice? Every time. Every time. I'd actually, I don't know if it's every time. 
a dealer will you know, take a lot of inputs in, in whether or not they're going to you know, make an investment. And you know, my analysis is one of the primary drivers because really, you know, where should you put that dealership? So they will take that and then they start looking at, you know, say, available real estate and things like that. And maybe it's not available where I recommend it to be. Then we'll sort of do it over, all over again at a new, new location and if they have where they found real estate. So has data science and analytics been a core component of the business for a while at Jamadir? Yes, yes. Okay. So, yeah, so when I started 13 years ago, then it wasn't called data science what we were doing, but it would be called data science today. We would model crop yields using climate data, soils, weather data. Back then, that was just called data analyst or GIS analyst. What's changed in these last X number of years in the discipline? Is it the amount of data, the types of data, the technology analytics, all of the above, and how? All of the above. Computing powers has increased, so my laptop is probably more powerful than a lot of servers were back then, so that's one thing. Our tools are better, easier to use. Yes, there's more data, but I also think it's easier to use the data. Can you explain or demystify for us customer profiling using psychographic segments? Yes, so so you have the demographics. So that would be things like age, income, wealth, race, etc. Then psychographics would take that one step further where you have behaviors to that. So in addition to those basic demographics, it would be like, oh, Mariana, she likes to drink champagne, surfing on her MacBook, driving an imported car, going on nice vacations. Maybe my profile would be something else. Oh, he likes to, to work on a PC. He drives a domestic truck or he drinks... Whiskey. Whiskey. Green tea. Green, Green tea, tea, yes. <laughs> Do yoga, you name it. But it's really all about behaviors. behaviors instead of just those sort of straight facts. So how do these psychographic segments help determine business decisions? Using those psychographics, it's a nice way to contextualize what our customer looks like, but then also see where they physically located. We do want to be as close to those customers as possible with our dealerships, so, so that's one way we use it. It's also used for marketing campaigns. Prioritize who should you follow up with or who should you market to. Say, sending mailings out. Well, we, we can look at who is sort of our customer. What is site suitability analysis and territory planning? Yeah. For us, site suitability means where should you put a dealership? And, and the suitability there would be, I just look out this window, anywhere around here, there's be poor suitability. Anyone would know that downtown area, there's not going to be too many customers buying one of our products. But to do the site suitability, you would look at, oh, I need to be close to uh, you know, a major road, lots of traffic, close to my core customers, certain distance from competitors. But basically, to make it easy, it would be, say, if you were to look at a map, you would, could rank certain areas better or worse, or, or on a certain scale, you know, where's it more suitable to place something? As a data scientist, what is your perspective on how accurate we can be at predicting outcomes? So there's a quote by Niels Bohr that I think sums up the challenge with predictions quite well. It goes something like this. Prediction is very difficult, especially if it's about the future. <laughs> and that's particularly true when it comes to, to customer behaviors. 
And for us, the result of our market predictions are used to, as one of our inputs for our independent dealers to use in the decision process as they decide on whether to enter a new market. The point I want to make is that as a data scientist, we tend to constantly work on our models and strive for perfection when ultimately it's the dealer that judge the accuracy by using our outcomes to base one of the largest capital investments on. As, as a data scientist, I can work forever to do my model, make that look perfect in my mind, but maybe a long time ago, this dealer would have seen you know, my work and you know what, that, that's accurate enough for me to make my investment decision on. What are you saying? Explain so, this so to a, me. Well, so there's a gap. So say, as a, as a professional, we always want to be, oh, I want my model to be just perfect. And uh -huh. I can spend a long time on working on a model. So if, let's put a time frame on it. Maybe it takes four weeks to develop a really good model. Whereas after one week or, good or two days, the dealer would have said, hey, this is good enough. I, I feel really good about this, ah. this, this model. So how, what portion of this is science and art slash experience? A quick answer would be, you know, 33.33, something like that each, uh, a third each maybe, maybe a little more heavier on the, the science part. And do you think that a portion of the science is increasing with time? Is there more trust by the business on the answers derived from analytics? Definitely. How does visualization help in that equation with potentially business stakeholders who haven't been trained or exposed to technology? Does it help to visualize the answers or the recommendations? Definitely. Even a simple map where you color you know, areas by value really helps. Someone can see right away that they can sort of correlate the map with their thinking, how they feel, and what they know in a certain area. What portion of the data that John Deere has in its data lake is location aware? Quite a bit. We have something like 50 billion map layers. Wow. You know, all the data that they uh, bring in, you know, we, we basically ingest more data than, than Twitter and, you know, per second. So what is a single map layer? Is that so a map layer, each time a machine potentially goes out in the field and it collects data, that would be one map layer. Let's talk about the use of imagery, mm -hmm. right? That was sensor data. John Deere has been a pioneer actually in using imagery to support precision farming and sustainable agriculture. So how does imagery data help in this endeavor that you just described? Since our ag and turf products operates in specific physical conditions like a farm field, golf course, or a lawn, satellite imagery turned into land cover helps us discover opportunities at a more granular and more precise level than we could do without. We combine the demographic variables with land cover, climate data, and so forth. So basically we can see opportunities at a, at a much granular level that you know, we would have missed if we didn't have the imagery. So how does location intelligence help drive the company's goals? Can you connect the dots from location-based data to the bottom line for us? Well, we can connect you know, our customers to, to advisor where they can collaborate on you know, growing conditions, decisions, planning, things like that. That helps us give a competitive advantage. You know, for us, the you know, location intelligence is really just part of that overall analytics ecosystem we have at Deere and technology and analytics leadership capabilities. It's really one of our critical success factors for us to meet our company goals. 
Would you maybe share your perspective on how the various emergent technologies that are pretty much mainstream at this point, like IoT, like various advanced analytics with machine learning and such. So I think of IoT and sensor data and mobile data as sort of the sensing capability at scale. And then, you know, the analytics is the processing capability, and then the automation is the acting out capability, and Mm -hmm. geospatial is putting it all into context. What is the role of geospatial in the world of advanced technologies? Well, one way I really see it is that really like providing context in a way. You know, we collect machine information, oil pressure, RPMs, things like that most likely there's a sort of a physical aspect to that. It happens somewhere. Is it in a steep hill, uphill, that side slope, things like that? Do we see issues on a certain part, maybe clustered in a certain area? Most likely that has a, um, you know, a spatial component to it. Years and years ago, I remember we had some warranty issues with fuel pumps or something like that. Well, it turned out it's all happening down in the southeast okay, there's something going on down in the southeast. Well, as it turns out, there was some um, fuel coming from a refinery somewhere Mm -hmm. down there. Mm -hmm. So that really had that spatial component. As a data scientist, what technology innovation or emerging capabilities are you most excited about? Geo-AI. Mm. That's actually something I'm excited about. I want to see the geospatial methods just be part of that uh, mainstream uh, sort of tool sets. Everyone should use space. I I see see it all the time that people, they work on all sorts of problems that that in a way that could really be easily solved if they they just used it more in a spatial context. And I I tell people that, you know, if if you're not using space, you're you're missing out. They're struggling on something when really you you could have taken the data maybe and put it and just looked at it on the map and it would have told you something right away. That was great. Thank you so much, Matthias. Sure. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to the Esri and the Science of Wear podcast. And thanks to Matthias Wallen for explaining how advanced location technology and data science deliver critical benefits to one of the world's most successful agricultural technology giants. To learn more, download our free ebook, The Science of Wear Discover the Value of Location Intelligence Technology at go.esri.com forward slash location intelligence.